Welcome to the audio newsletter for the Northwestern Program in Sound Arts and Industries. I'm Brad West. Today, we present the next installment of our series showcasing student work from Sarah Geis's course, The Art of the Podcast. In this episode, students Jason Foley, Lauren Creel, and Aaron Watt created a piece in the style of Radiolab that examines the popularity of DNA ancestry testing kits and what they mean concerning racial identity. Our students will explore the question of identity from a cultural and historical perspective and look at its impact on our daily lives. This is a story about you. Reinventing the way you look at your ancestors using the science of genetics. So that's why the sun makes me sneeze. (laughs) And I get a message. I say to my wife, I have a sister. I was overwhelmed. I learned I was from a small village in Denmark. So I actually took a trip there and met some people with the same last name. They even invited me into their home. Available now for $99 at 23andMe.com. Discover the story only your DNA can tell. Order your kit now at AncestryDNA.com. Hi, I'm Lauren Creel. And I'm Jason Foley. And And welcome welcome to to our take. Today we're talking about DNA testing kits. We've been wondering, what's with the rise in interest in these? I've seen ads on TV at the laundromat and on my laptop when I'm on YouTube, but I feel like I didn't know anybody who'd taken these tests, but now I know a number of folks who have taken the test just in the last year. Are people actually more interested in finding out their genetic ancestry? Or is all of this some sort of marketing ploy? Who takes these tests and why? Are they taking the test to verify the stories they know or to dig up the truth? So many questions! It's definitely an interesting topic. I personally don't care about my genealogy, but that's why I'm fascinated. Because other people are fascinated, and I want to know why. We give DNA this magical power in our culture, and it is important. It dictates our physical features, but exactly how much of us is in our DNA, and how much of us is in how we grew up. Right. Nature, nurture. That debate has been going on basically since the idea of genetics existed. So let's lay some groundwork. In short, genetics is the science and genealogy is the history. It's more the armchair research of family histories and heritage. For many folks, it's a hobby. With genealogy, folks are often looking at physical records of life events, birth certificates, census records, marriage licenses, and so forth. But DNA is a different, unerasable genetic paperwork that can't be lost, and it's now available to consumers through these tests. We wanted someone to explain to us how all this works. So let's put the social with the science. I'm Christine Wood. I am a sociologist by training. I have a research appointment at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern. In terms of your personal heritage, what kind of information does DNA give you? What DNA can do is tell you, based on a sort of macro indicator in your genes called a haplogroup, where the broad migratory patterns of your ancestors were. Ethnicity is more the where you get um, genetic differences. So for instance, race, as in someone being black, brown, or white, doesn't have a lot of predictive power at the genomic level. However, you are able to tell people's ethnicities by DNA tests. When did these tests come on the scene? They're not even 10 years old yet. When 23andMe's retail DNA test was released, it was the first time this technology was accessible to the public at an affordable price. And that's why Time Magazine named it the Invention of the Year in 2008. 
A lot has changed since then, but they're still an industry leader, and more and more people are taking these tests. But we're not just obsessed with finding out our own genetic background. We like seeing other people find out theirs, especially celebrities. I'm Henry Louis Gates Jr. Welcome to Finding Your Roots. In this episode, we'll meet comedian Larry David and Senator Bernie Sanders. It's so interesting. I'm still trying to understand what Henry Louis Gates' motivation is to do that show. Because he is a historian of American race relations. Much of his work has been looking at sort of the enforced power dynamics around race in the United States. So for him then to, to bring celebrities onto a PBS show to give them loads of information about their ancestry and who they are, those shows are addictive. Because you, it's like there's a slow reveal. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Bernie Sanders <laughs> and Larry David are related. All the Ashkenazi Jews are at least 30th cousins. They found out they're 19th cousins. They both freaked out because oh Larry David impersonates Bernie Sanders. I'm sorry. It was hilarious to watch. It was so funny. Oh, that's so funny. That is really funny. That is amazing. Um, is- and in the midst of um, that whole show, you got a lot of history about people lost in the Holocaust. So it really felt like an emotional reconnection. Other popular TV shows have also contributed to peaked interest in genealogy. <laughs> Your name is Toby. You're going to learn to say your name. Let me hear you say it. What's your name? Kunta. Kunta Kinte. When Alex Haley's TV miniseries Roots came out in 1977, it spurred greater interest in genealogy, particularly in black American communities. So I was wondering, with the remake of the series being released last year, has there been a spike in black Americans taking DNA tests? I'm Kunta Kinte. Son of a... Your name is Toby. Now tell me your name. So a lot of people probably like, well, you know, I want to know who my Kuta Kente is. Like, I'm sure I have a Kuta Kente somewhere down my line, you know. Where is he? With these tests, you can actually see that. You can actually go through and, like, figure out, hey, my great-great-great-grandfather came from this country, you know. Like, that's pretty cool. That's our producer, Erin, and she just took the 23andMe test. I personally think that people are interested in taking these DNA tests because people, I guess, want a, like, sense of belonging to something. So, like, for instance, for me, I have, like, a lot of African friends. I have some Jamaican friends, you know, people from the islands and stuff. And they have a clear sense of, like, where their identity lies. They have this deep connection to the traditions and the culture of their country where black folks here in America, we don't. We're awesome. We're beautiful. But, you know, we're also very, very complicated. And we just can't say we're all of this and not really think anything about, like, who came, like, before us, like, generationally. That's just not, that's not cool. The question of identity and having a sense of belonging to a particular community seems to be the driving force for a lot of folks who are taking these tests. And it's not just Aaron. My name is Robert Johnson. He's a legal assistant by day, an entertainer by night. And I'm just navigating my way through life. So how did this question of identity come up for you? I always 
had this identity crisis, um, like growing up. I'm a very fair-skinned African-American male, so I could look a little racially ambiguous at times. Growing up, I was always made fun of because of my skin complexion. This is kind of like a stigma in the African-American community. When you're a certain complexion, you're just not black enough. Or if you don't act a certain way, you're not black enough. So my whole life, I kind of, I spent my whole life defending how black I am, defending my blackness. Growing up, um, my dad told me that we were Cuban. And so I was like, oh, okay. I didn't. I just took that and ran with it. But at his uncle's funeral, something happened. Um, my great-great-aunt came to the funeral and revealed that my uncle is not my actual uncle. My uncle is not my dad's biological brother at all, which really, really threw me off because, you know, my whole life I thought we were related. And I'm like, I, I don't even know anymore. So... All of that kind of confused me, and my dad was gone, and I didn't really have a lot of people on my dad's side of the family to talk to, and so I just needed to know, like, who I am. Who am I? So following his great-aunt's confession, Robert went on a mission to figure out who he was. So he gets this DNA test from, uh... Ancestry.com. So how exactly does it work? They ship you a kit through the mail, and it's like a tube, and you have to spit in it your saliva and it has a solution then you shake it up and then you mail it back to them in a pre-stamp box it gets entered into a database that any researcher can then access it's public science essentially which is almost unprecedented that's christine our sociologist again and she's saying it's unprecedented because your dna is in this database and other companies can use this data For example, if you're predisposed for Parkinson's disease, a biotech firm can use your spit to develop drugs to search for a cure. These companies in turn give the genetic testing companies like 23andMe and Ancestry.com millions of dollars per year to obtain this information. That's where the profits are coming from. Companies like 23andMe then compare your DNA to all these other pieces of DNA in the database and find matches between you and other populations. That's where your test results come from. So Robert sent in his spit, and the waiting began. It took about 60 days, yeah. It, it took a while, and it was like the longest wait ever. Like, I'm just sitting there waiting, like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And um, it was a Saturday morning. I got an email from Ancestry.com saying that my results are in. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I was really, really excited. I logged in and took a deep breath and then opened it up. And I was like, oh, Okay, like it wasn't really what I expected at all. What did it say? I was very surprised, um, mainly because the percentage of African American I am. So I always thought that I was more black than I found out I really am. So I got the results back, I found out I was only 60% black, which really threw me off. It actually came out 60% black, 38% European and the other 2% is like Polynesian and Pakistani. This is the question we've been getting to. Do these test results change how someone looks at themselves? Yes. Um, the only thing I, I, I just... Um, well, actually, I saw myself the same because I was raised a certain way. So that never changed. You know, like, I, I was raised a black man. I am a black man. You know, that it is what it is. But I kind of had to realize, like, those little jokes I got as a kid, like, hey, white boy this, white boy that. Um, it come to find out there really is some truth there. So I was just like, okay. So that, that was kind of different. 
where you grow up, who you grow up with, what your family's like, who you surround yourself with, and who you believe yourself to be for so many years. Just it lays your whole neurological system out for you. And like, I just, I can't imagine having that, just knowing the information itself to allow someone to recalibrate so completely. So what does it mean to know who you are? I'm not sure there's one answer to that question. I was raised as a black man, culturally black, you know, and um, I have this new information, and I do know that it's a part of me. But what it did was it just gave me more clarity, like I could finally sleep at night knowing this is who I am. It was just kind of like this sense of belonging, like this understanding that everybody knows what everybody else is talking about. If they reference a certain dish or they use a certain type of slang, you know, everybody knew, except for me. I didn't. (laughs) People used to always ask me, like, what are you? What do you mix with? And I used to always say nothing or Cuban or, but now I can actually tell people I'm part European, I'm part Cameroonian, and I got a little bit of Pakistani and Polynesian in me, French Polynesian in me. And if I get my results back by the end of the year, that will be like the best Christmas gift ever. It's going to be exciting. Like, I'm so excited. And so it, it just feels really, really good to be able to tell somebody, like, this is who I am. This is what's in my blood. And if I have kids down the line, they'll know what's in their blood. Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Whether you're broke or evergreen. Your black, white, beige, chola descent. Your Lebanese, your Orient. Whether life's disabilities left you outcast, for leader teased. Rejoice and love yourself today. Cause baby, you were born no this way. No matter gay, straight or bi, lesbian, transgender life. on the right track, baby, I was You can learn more about our program through our website, sound.northwestern.edu or by emailing sound at northwestern.edu. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the audio newsletter of Northwestern University's MA program in Sound Arts and Industries. Today's episode, Our Take, was produced by Jason Foley, Lauren Creel, and Aaron Watt, featuring interviews with Christine Wood, Robert Johnson, and Aaron Watt. Our show was narrated by Jason Foley and Lauren Creel, and featured original music by Brendan Baker. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Northwestern Sound to learn about how sound works at Northwestern. Northwestern.